Welcome to another episode of North American Deer Talk, where the fusion of facts and opinions become the education and entertainment for all. This is your host, Josh Newton, and we have another great show for you today. Okay, folks, welcome back. This is Josh Newton, your host, and this is NADT, North American Deer Talk. Uh, It is April 23rd, so glad that uh, you could join us. So we're doing another Facebook Live video. Um, Hopefully everything's uh, coming in good over there. thought I'd hop up there as well and and go ahead and record this. Um, So we're going to do a show. Let me just get my show notes up so I... Can work through this. We're going to do a show today, kind of covering um, some of the things that we can do at farms to function stack, if you will. So this this show is going to be called the Function Stack: Managing Your Operation in Changing Times, um, and, and we're going to just run through maybe all the things that you can um, create value at your, at your operation and, uh, what can make you, you profitable and hopefully get you thinking about some of the things that you, you may or may not want to add, um, into, into what you do there. Um, so we need to take kind of an overall, um, you know, uh, kind of a high level view approach of, of what a you know a deer farm and or a you know potentially a hunting operation is, and I'm going to focus more on the deer farm end of things uh, for this show, just because that's that's my um, that's my my primary knowledge base, and we'll kind of run through some of those things. So um, that high level view, we really want to we really want to make sure that we understand that everything is useful at the farm. So there's not just um, you're not just raising, let's say, a deer to sell. Um, so, so understanding that and really coming at uh, your operation in that perspective, I think, is really helpful. So, every everything is useful. Um, I think another question we have to ask is, how do we achieve a level of profitability? that meets your goals, whatever that may be. So the person that maybe is just starting out or has a, a relatively small piece of property, et cetera, um, will have different expectations and different goals that they have in mind to meet a certain profitability level uh, based on that size of ground, size of operation, et cetera. So, uh, for instance, you know, if you have, if you have uh, five acres and you, know, you have 25 or, or 30 deer there, you're certainly not going to be able to generate the, the level of, of revenue that someone with, let's say, you know, 50 acres has and, and you know, 300 deer. With that said, those smaller acreage properties can be profitable. But how do we, how do we look at them, again, out from an, an outside-the-box perspective and say, what can we do here on our, our property that, that adds value to our, to our bottom line? 
So I'm just going to kind of run through a list that I've sat here and kind of compiled a little bit, and we'll we'll discuss some of these uh, different things individually, and I'll I'll add, but they're they're not um, they're not in order, so to speak. They're they're pretty randomized. Um, so one of the first things that came to me is that um, you could you could self feed, and and someone might say, well, how do you how do you self feed if you're you know you're you're going to the mill and you're you're buying bag feed. Well, maybe maybe the mill, um, maybe you buy in bulk from the from the mill. Maybe you run down there and you get three tons of feed, and you have some local neighbors that maybe have a smaller operation than than you do, and your location is easier for them to get to. And maybe you mark up the bags, you know, fifty cents or a dollar or whatever, and uh, that pro- provides some interaction with with those particular farms. That's certainly a good option to look at. Um, you could do that. I think better off you would be able to set up a bin or a series of bins, get a mixer, and mix your own feed and ditch the bags. So one of the things, one of the first things that that we did here is we, we looked at the cost of what it would cost for me to go pick up feed or for someone to come uh, deliver feed in bags. And I said, okay, I have a a certain cost basis there. Here's what it's going to cost to put it in the bins that we need, the mixer, and get bulk feed delivered. So I ran those numbers, and within about 18 months, the offset cost by buying bulk feed, which is is cheaper, they, they, they bring it in on a truck, blow it into the into the bins and mixing my own feed in my mixer the offset cost over you know 12 to 18 months paid for the entire system bin mixer you know uh, totes for molasses oil etc i thought that was a pretty good deal so if you're willing to put a little bit of money up front you can you can get that back pretty easy now, the nice thing about having feed that you mix is you can mix fresh daily. What do I mean mix fresh daily? So whether you're doing a multiple bin setup or a, com- a complete feed delivered, so we do a complete feed here, um, and, and basically what that is is when the mill comes, they bring our feed. It's uh, corn, soybean, oats, barley, pellet. That's all that's in it. And that's already all mixed together, ready to go. All we have to do is add soybean oil, molasses, other types of liquids that that, that you'd like. Um, we don't we don't feed molasses anymore. We just feed the um, we just feed uh, soybean oil as our our liquid additive, and that's it. But you could also set up a multiple bin setup depending on your size of operation. And you could do, you know, corn in one, beans in one, oats, etc. Whatever, whatever products you're using, and then and then mix those together. Um, so again, that's a that's an option. But that that mindset of you know investing a little more upfront for the for the bulk system will pay dividends down the line. So um, really important to kind of outweigh the options um, as you go along. So another thing we can do is maybe we can bulk buy our products. So, you know, aside from feed, what is something that, you know, the deer consume a lot of or that you use a lot of at the farm? Um, and you could say, hey, right, that'd be feed, but let's let's say, hey, 
So do you get a discount if you take an entire truckload? So when I say a truckload, I mean like an 18-wheeler. Um, you know, are you taking, you know, 22-ton or whatever they fit on a on a truck? Is there a discount on that? Um, if so, get a couple of your, your local compadres there, put a group buy together, get yourself a truck, and... You know, everybody everybody benefits by getting hay at a little cheaper price um, and having a centralized location pickup. That's that's maybe uh, one option. You could also offer bottle feeding services. Um, you know, I, I think it's important to when when you look at specifically bottle feeding services. Um, I think it's really important to look at the. Uh, the place that's offering that, look at the facility, etc., and and say to yourself, how long has this particular operation been in place? Do they have the experience level to be able to handle um, any issues that may arise? Because I promise you, when you're bottle feeding animals, issues do arise. Um, do they have the the technical background to to um to understand these things do they have the support network from uh potentially other other places veterinarians etc because at the end of the day you're you're paying for a service you you need to look at those things so you know my advice would be um if you're if you're gonna offer bottle feeding services you better know what you're doing um especially if you're charging six eight thousand twelve hundred dollars uh per fawn it's not something that that i think should be taken lightly and um you know kudos to those folks that have have done that a long time and and built up a really good reputation uh for themselves you know you, you should you should feel confident you know taking taking your animals to a place that's been in business for you know 10 or 15 years uh offering that particular type of service um, consultation. So consultation, again, I think a lot of that comes with, with experience. And um, there's, there's many things that really benefit to having that experience that you can share with other folks. And, and the consultation business uh, generally is, is uh, it, it can be difficult. You know, we, we have, we have a, a really tight-knit community. Uh, within the, you know, specifically the deer farming industry. And, um, you know, a lot of us are, are friends. And it's, you know, you kind of look at that and you say, oh, maybe it's difficult to, to charge a friend for something. Uh, but if you're providing a good value to them, um, I, I don't think a lot of people have any issues with with uh, with paying at all. So that's uh, that's another thing that you could look at. Uh, labor. Is, is, is it possible to... Um, you know, work at some local farms, maybe during TV testing or AI or cutting antlers or whatever types of operations that those those folks have. Um, you know, it's always interesting to to work with other folks and other operations, and and you know, kind of play a part in their success as well. And you know, if you can make a little extra money doing that, that's a good thing. Um, transport. So the. The transport business again. I, I think many of these things comes down to uh, to experience. You know, it's one thing to to drive a truck and a trailer. It's another thing to to load animals and be able to to understand you know their needs while in transport, etc. Um, if you if you have the if you have the equipment, 
um, a good trailer, um, truck, etc., and you don't mind being on the road, that may be a, another thing that you could do in your uh, quote unquote free time that that uh, may add a little bit of, of profit, excuse me, profitability to your to your operation. Uh, product distribution. So, are there are there items within the you know the servid world? Tags, taggers, OTC products, things like that, that you could potentially sell. Maybe there's um, um, maybe there's a way to do drop shipping on on those items or, or something along those lines. I think that that um, that may also play into it. And there's there's certainly there's certainly um, you know folks out there that that do that and and they have good success with it. So maybe you don't want to uh, take on the world and carry every single product, but maybe you specialize in one. Um, perhaps you want to, I don't know, maybe you want to make, uh, you know, customized face masks for a deer, or maybe you have a, you know, a special, um, you know, hobble kit for their feet for, for, you know, immobilizing, or, uh, maybe you make custom make stretchers, or you can come up with a whole host of things. Think about all the, all the products that we use on our operations and, um, and really look at those and say, hey, this this might be something that that I could um, that I could make and I could sell. Uh, another one would be pasture management. Do you um, do you have the equipment where you can help folks out that don't? You know, do you have uh, discs and tillers and seeders and uh, fertilizers and spray booms and all those other things? You know, some some of the um, some of the operations don't have those, uh, but yet they want them. And you know, if you're within a, a reasonable rate or a reasonable range of distance, perhaps that's, perhaps that's something that you could look at, um, you know, help, helping them out with. Um, that's another way to put to, put to use uh, some of your knowledge and some of your equipment, make a little extra money. Uh, trade show setup. And, and looking at trade shows as a, uh, a means to maybe help design a booth space or you know set up travel or you know there's there's a, a whole host of, of things and that's um, maybe outside of the norm of what happens on a farm but certainly a component of our of our business uh, ad design photography video service etc so ad design obviously that's a, a pretty specific skill uh, but perhaps one that, that you could learn and um, do some ad work you know there's there's a decent going rate for for the ad pages that are are produced, and and maybe you could do um, you know a few of those a month and, and get some extra money that way. Perhaps uh, photography is a, a an interest to you, and you'd like to you'd like to start doing some more photo shoots um, at other people's places of their deer. Um, one of the things that you could also do is if you have the right equipment or maybe even know a local photographer is you could offer video shoots at your farm. So when the, you know, one of the, the nice things is, is when the fawns are born, you know, everybody always wants to come out to the farm and see the fawns and handle them and maybe bottle feed or, or maybe, um, you know, just interact with the animals. It's always, you know, pretty pretty nice out on the farm, etc. Um, but you can you could charge people for that. You could say, um, you could say, hey, it's it's a hundred dollars an hour. You bring your kids out. We'll have the photographer here. You know, you pay pay the photographer separately. You can kind of you know book a schedule throughout a Saturday, maybe you know twice a month uh, during the months of like May and June. 
Uh, you can pick a Saturday or something and, and line up a couple of people to come out, do some local advertising, and, and see where that takes you. That's that's something. Um, and then there's obviously videos, you know, farm videos, uh, hunting videos, um, videos, you know, from around your farm with tips and tricks and stuff like that. So that's a, another way to to look at um, look at adding some value to your to your operation. Um, off season purchasing. So this is um, this this one will require a little more thought, but certainly if there's things that are seasonal to be purchased on your farm, um, buying them out of season is is helpful. So I'll give you an example that I think most of us can can uh, understand or probably relate to is you know you typically don't if you're if you're looking at being profitable and saving saving money in areas you don't want to buy hunting clothes in October and November. You want to buy them in March and April when the prices are discounted, they're trying to move inventory, etc. So, um, you know, if you're able to do purchasing for the following year, if you have some capital um, that you know you have to spend and you're, you're able to, you know, float the purchase of something until the following year, it's a good opportunity to, to you know, keep keep the the cost down your cost basis down and and still um still get the things you need so that's something to look at now we're just gonna i guess shift shift gears a little bit and talk a little more specifically about the animals themselves because that's obviously you know some some folks are like look i i have no interest in in selling feed I don't want to do any con, uh, consultation. I have no interest in driving a truck and trailer all over the all over the country, you know, hauling animals for for folks in different different locales. I'm not interested in trade shows. And and boy, if uh, if I ever charge somebody for my graphic design work, um, you know, they they probably shoot me because I'm terrible at it or, or something along those lines. So let's we'll we'll kind of shift gears. We'll focus really on the on the animals themselves. Um, so what the, the, the question we ask is, is what successful operations do with their product and their facilities to maximize their profits? So what, what types of, what types of things do we have for sale that is pretty consistent and maybe some of the things and a different way to look at them? So we'll start with bucks. You know, everybody wants to raise, raise big bucks and, um, you know all the benefits that that comes with them, but what if you were uh, what if you were more of a production style farm that um, sold their buck fawns? They didn't raise mature animals, and you're able to do that in a profitable way. So let's just say you went to a, another producer, um, you know, a hunting operation, and said, "Here's the here's the does or the animals that I have available." I'm going to breed them to this buck or these specific bucks and make male offspring. Would you be interested in those? They say, sure. And you negotiate out a price. Let's just say it's $1,500 per animal. You know, selling a, selling a three- or a four-month-old animal with a cost basis of, let's just say, Four hundred dollars, five hundred dollars. It's pretty good. Now, what are the what are the benefits to doing that? Well, you could 
if you're not carrying mature animals, when I say mature, I mean bucks, two, three, four-year-olds, whatever, um, you would, um, sorry, I should have turned that off. Um, you would, um, you would look at your carrying capacity of your ground and you could say, well, I can, I can have a lot more, I can have a lot more fawns. Um, I can hold a lot more fawns physically than I can mature deer. And you could look at that and say, I'm going to offset my, I'm going to offset my, my buck size of my carry capacity with buck fawns. So instead of carrying, let's say, 50, you know, one-year-old, two-year-old, three-year-olds, I'm going to be able to carry 50 does and have 100 bucks, 100 buck fawns. Um, by using you know sex salmon or something like that, so I think that I think that aspect of um, looking at the different you know sexes on the, on the farm that you have um, and different age classes and and using them to your advantage that may be something to look at. So for me personally, um, I like the concept, but I I like antler more. So I want to have some deer here. I'm I'm trying to grow deer that I want to look at, and and that requires them to have antlers. So I personally am not interested in in selling those buck fawns like that, um, you know, to be stocked somewhere or, or to go into somebody else's program for them to grow out. But if you want to make some money, you can do that. And maybe you don't apply all your buck fawns to that. Maybe you look at that and say, uh, I'm I'm willing to take you know this set of does. That I have, maybe there's ten out of the twenty that you own, and you know, breed them to male sex semen, and then sell those those particular buck fawns um, at weaning time. So something to look at there. Now, another thing is um, when we're looking at the maturity rates of these bucks, when are we trying to get to market? You know, so pretty much in every animal industry, the push is always to um, decrease the amount of time that the animal has to live to reach its full production value. And, you know, I'm often torn when I, when I look at that and I say, okay, I, I have two-year-olds that are, are acceptable to sell. You know, they have, they have plenty of, of size to them as far as, you know, bodies or at least for the most part antlers etc what is the what is the difference between that and then you know the two-year-old and then having a more mature animal at three you know those for for me here in the genetics that we've we've typically run the jump from two to three is tremendous um not only in body but also an antler with that kind of mature look um, every once in a while, we get a two-year-old that pops up, and and boy, they're they're exceptional. They have plenty of body conformation. They have more of a mature style face. Obviously, they can they can grow some some legit big antlers, and it's um it's it's probably best that you you move those along. You know, you sell somebody as a breeder or as a stalker or whatever. Um, however you however you you want to manage that. 
You also have to look at mortality, and I think this is probably an overlooked thing. I'm sure, I'm sure it's an overlooked thing because I've overlooked it, so I suspect there's other people that have too. Um, if you if you look at your 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 largest source of income is going to be um, obviously your inventory and what you're selling, and if we're looking at books and you're relying, you know, for the most part on your your um, your bucks as income. When you start losing animals and you have some death loss, that just comes straight out of the bottom line. So if you if you say, okay, I have a two year old, let's just say you're getting you know, four thousand bucks a piece and you have ten of those for sale. So you got forty thousand bucks you start with. And one of them dies, you're not necessarily losing the four thousand dollars. You're losing the cost that you had into the feed, the carrying cost, medications, things like that. And it's 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 more like it's probably more like five thousand, fifty five hundred, depending on again how profitable you can be. And and that's where these that's where these reviews and these these other function stack items really come into place because there's going to be mortality but that helps close that gap and and add some profitability you know to your bottom line and that's what you want that's why it's important to to look at those so if you can get if you can get your animals um, at two years old to a to a place where you feel that they they add a lot of value to the people that they're selling or that that are buying them. I think you should go ahead and do that. Um, if your if your genetics simply are not able to achieve the level that you want as far as the profitability goes, you probably got to keep until three. So you'll have to look at um, how you handle those animals from two to three because those. Boy, those two-year-olds, they, they like to fight. And, um, you know, some of the things that, that you can do to help reduce that death loss. We won't talk about that today, but um, certainly in the future we can we can touch on that. Um, you know, obviously the other the other large product that we're able to, to garner from the box is semen. Um, the semen market, for me, has, has, um, has changed a bunch. And you know we're just we're really particular in the the animals that we we buy. Um, we probably like like many we've we've had our our share of just buying semen and semen and having it in the tank. I mean I have I have more semen than we could use in the next ten years. It's just you know we have we have plenty of it. Um, but there are there are animals out there that um, I, I still do want to get to meet very specific goals and. Um, you know that's kind of on the incoming side. I'm, I'm getting off on a tangent, but as far as, as selling semen, you know, looking looking at the animals that you have, um, you know, the, I think the days of collecting semen on, you know, random we'll call them random bucks um, is over. You know, just because you're breeding with an animal on your farm doesn't mean other people want to as well, and. Um, there's a cost associated with with collecting that semen. So, you know, a traditional collection might be somewhere between, let's say, seven fifty and 
you know, 1200 1500 bucks, depending on, you know, where your vet's coming from, what time of year it is, you know, storage. There's a whole bunch of factors. Now, if you're talking about a sex human collection, you know, those are going to start at uh, whatever your, your vet cost is plus $3,750 is the, the base price, or at least it, it has been in the past. You know, and that that goes up from there. So um, there's a there's a ton of costs associated with with doing um, doing a semen collection. And if you're not going to have some straws that you can sell to off, at least offset that cost and put that put that other semen in the tank at a at a zero cost basis, um, you may want to think about whether you're going to collect or not. If you do end up, you know, kind of hitting a home run. And, and getting a deer that you can sell some semen on, uh, it's an excellent way to generate revenue. On the flip side, the cost basis is fairly low. So let's just, we can run some, some gorilla math. Um, it, let's just say it costs you 1500 bucks to collect the deer. It gives you 100 straws. You're selling those straws at $500 a piece. You sell 10 of them. 10 straws. It's not a ton of straws from a, you know, a buck that a lot of people may like. 10 straws, 500 bucks a piece. That's $5,000. You got a $1,500 cost basis, 3,500 bucks. Boom. So it's not hard. You get the semen in the tank, perhaps store it at a collection facility or a storage facility. They take care of shipping it out, transfers, all those kind of things. It's easy, it's easy money if you if you want to look at it like that. It was it was hard money to get initially by you know getting the getting the buck bread upright and have them grow and all those other things. But um, it's a it's a great way to generate some revenue. So um, obviously that's still the I think that's still the I don't know magic dream if you want to call it for for a lot of folks. Um, you know, is getting that that marquee premier buck and and you know getting a good semen collection on them and you know turning that into you know thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And we have seen that we see, we see it every year. There's no question. You know, those I'm just speculating. Those top producing semen bucks in one year, they can churn out a couple hundred grand um, for sure. So that's um, that's something to consider. But you can go broke, you know, chasing those genetics. Um, so just you got to kind of keep it in mind and and uh, understand your, you know, your particular situation that you're dealing with. So um, another thing that you you may on the, on the semen side of things and and keeping costs down is you know folks are always willing to not always but a lot of times are willing to to look at. Uh, semen and discount it in bulk bulk rates so you know one one straw may cost you 500 bucks well if you take 10 they're 300 dollars a piece so if you're going to buy two at 500 that's a thousand bucks but if you're going to take you know 10 and they're 300 bucks a piece again maybe you don't need all 10 straws but you know you're saving what 30 30 some percent on your cost um, get a couple buddies. Maybe they're interested in the same deer. Add add some buying power. Um, I know you know many years ago I I put a group buy together, and um, you know we ended up buying six, sixty some straws, sixty five straws out of a you know real premier buck, and everybody uh, that got in on that got a really excellent deal, and um, I think we all all were happy in the end, and certainly 
you know, the guy that sold it to us, he was happy too because, you know, he got a he got a nice payday on uh, instead of dealing with sixty different people selling one straw a piece, he got to deal with one person and sell sixty straws. Um, so that was a that was a, a really good thing for for again for all of us. But it's something to look at when you're when you're looking at semen. You know, look for those those bulk uh, bulk discounts. So uh, does you know if you're if you're if you're purchasing does, what are some of the things that you can look at in the in the purchasing area? Um, to, again, try to help keep that cost down. Buy in bulk. You know, instead of buying one dough, maybe you want to buy five. You know, I think I think folks are willing to work with you if you, you know, just be honest with them. Say, look, you know, I'm, I'm you know, here's my cost. You know, I'm looking at spending, you know, five thousand bucks. Um, you know, I know you got these doughs listed at, you know, whatever, twelve fifty or fifteen hundred a piece. You know, if I take five of them, will you will you do that for for um, you know, thousand a piece? And most of the time, I think I think I think people will work with you. Um, and certainly, there's there's um, you know there's different aspects that you need to look at when you're purchasing those. Um, and I would say the biggest one for for me is are they bread or are they open? You know the the thought of buying a bread dough with potentially you know one two fawns in her belly far outweighs buying an open dough and there's a lot of value so when you buy a bread dough the typical time of year that you're buying her is from um breeding season so let's just say october november november right until march so if you buy her in march and she has fawns in may or june you're only sitting on that capital expense for two months with the one animal. And as soon as those fawns are in the ground, <clears throat> let's say you get two, that's divided three ways. So if you compare that to an open dough that you may purchase in September and you're waiting till you have to breed her, put the cost of the breeding into her, whether that be live cover or, or AI, there's, there's cost there. And then you have to wait all the way till the, the following year, so you're 10 months out, till you can divide up that cost. It's a big difference. So I, I think I think the best value is in those bread doughs. It really is. Now, what's one of the disadvantages of buying the bread dough? Well, you can't pick your sire because most of the time the deer are already bred. Perhaps you buy an open dough in September and maybe somebody's willing to breed it for you or something, but again, you're... You're um, you're extending that that time that you have that out. The more time that you have in between your your um, your cost time, your cost basis time, and your your profitability time, the more likely things can happen. These are these are animals. This is livestock. Uh, things do happen, and it can go awry. So some some of the things to consider when when buying, and, and certainly when selling. Um, the same goes on, on maybe the opposite side of that. Um, I guess I should have like skipped the does till the end, but um, and, and and followed up on the the buck segment. But capes. So one of the things that I think has a has a bunch of value, and 
is is really overlooked is um, the value of a cape on on animals. So, you know, many many people have antlers, especially you know our our, our, our deer guys. They have antlers that they want to mount, but they they maybe don't have capes that they want to do it on. So me for me personally, I prefer a um, sh- a short hair cape. I I have some. I'm looking at one right in front of me here, and of course you can you can see the one in the background there if you're watching on the video. Um, these are a little bit more long hair than um, than not, but I prefer a you know that light light gray short hair cape. Um, I think they they just look just really sweet. Um, so if you have any animals that die, or you're calling animals, or whatever that is. Make sure you make sure you save those capes. Capes can run anywhere from fifty to two hundred bucks. So you know if you can if you can add a you know if it's worth the work to you to to skin them out and, and preserve that cape and uh, maybe have a taxidermy taxidermist lined up where you can you know drop it off and, and take care of that. Um, that's a that's another way to add a little bit of value. Uh, certainly, there's some some a little bit of value in the hide as well. So you can you can kind of look at those two things. And, Add those onto your your function stack. Um, antlers, so sheds, cuts, skulls. Um, you know, there's a there's a demand for for European mounts. So again, if you have an animal that dies, you know, you keep that that head. You know, you get it cleaned up, keep it whole, um, and then uh, be able to sell that as a, a European mount. It's going to bring more value than maybe a, a cut skull. Uh, for for display purposes, and certainly shed antlers shed antlers are are more valuable than your your cut antlers. Now a lot of guys will cut, and I haven't found that to be a, a quote unquote lifesaver. Um, you know those bucks still fight, they end up with cracked skulls. It just you know it's it's um, it, I think it. I think whether you take antlers on or off really has to do with your specific farm and kind of your your management strategies, how your pens are set up, et cetera. So I would um, I would just try to assess that as much as you can internally, and then see if the you know if you're a, if you're an antler seller, um, which I, I highly recommend folks sell antlers because you know they can they can add a ton of value. You know they however you look at it, they pay for a couple tons of feed a year depending on how many deer you have. Maybe they you know, add a little bit to, to payroll for help. You you can you can pick the expense that they they go into or look at it that way. But they certainly add um, to the bottom line to your profitability. Um, but you have to look at the the offset in you know death loss compared to or you know broken skulls or damaged pedicles or whatever. Um, comparing cut bucks to antlered bucks. Um, and we could probably talk about that in particular a little bit more, but again, I haven't I haven't seen that that's um, that there's more value in in cutting those deer or not. The scent market. So, you know, if you have some if you have some bottle fed does in your program and you have a handling facility, it's probably not too terribly hard to go ahead and you know put some put some drop floors into your your handling facility. Um, you know, sync up some does, get some doe asterisk going, have some, some pee that you can, can bottle up, create your own little brand, sell, sell some deer urine, um, 
create some scents, cover scents, whatever. Um, there's a there's a lot of value in that. I mean, you ever look at a bottle of Deer Pea? It's like 10, 12, 15 bucks. You know how many bottles like a single doe can produce for you? A pile. So if you have the time, you know, it's time intensive. Certainly there's labor involved to get things ready. And there's a, you know, a right way and a wrong way to do it. But perhaps that's something you want to look at. Um, that's a that's a great way to take advantage of you know the natural process of the whitetail and uh, again add some profitability uh, to your line. Of course, we're very fortunate in in the deer world that our product has value in in many aspects. Um, not only in a, a trophy capacity or in a hunting market, but also as a as a food animal. That's really what separates us. Um, and I'll use cattle as an example. You know, there's no there's no trophy uh, value really in a in a cow. You know, nobody's going to shoot a cow. But certainly, like this guy over oops, wrong shoulder. This guy over my shoulder. Let's see if I can get to him. Nope. That way. Um, you know, he uh, he's got some value because he's got some antlers on his head, and and you know the the search for great whitetail never ends for for hunters. Um, but what is it that we can do with these venison products and, and, and make some money on? So there's, there's going to continue to be a push um, for healthy, high-quality meat. And I think that a deer farm operation fits that bill perfectly, um, whether it be elk, Red deer, fallow deer, Sitka, Axis, mule deer, whatever. Um, high quality, high quality venison is is just it's excellent, and and people are willing to pay for it. Um, and and you can get a you know nice little side business going. I mean, there's some specific venison farms, but again, we're talking about ways to function stack. So if you have an animal that no longer has genetic value to you in your program, your breeding program, perhaps, you know, you're going to call her. Well, you can make sausages and jerky. And, I mean, the list goes on and on. And, um, you know, maybe maybe do just like they do in the cattle market and say, okay, we're going to do, you know, half, half, a, half a deer or half an elk or half whatever quarters you know they sell those um perhaps you do a whole you know whole carcass to a, a restaurant you go down to your your local restaurant that may may do some kind of specialty items say look we're going to be calling some of our deer these are excellent you know farm-raised animals they're they're healthy you take some pictures maybe some video and say look at the quality of these animals you know we only feed the highest quality feed etc um I've eaten the stuff in the past. I think you're really going to love it. Maybe even if you have some, take a sample for them to try. Or invite them out to your operation so they can see those animals. You know, the chefs love sourcing stuff locally. And you set it up so they do a weekend where they, they you know, they sell deer to their, their customers. They do, you know, uh, you know, a braised shank or a, um, a tenderloin special or... You know, a meatball special. You can come up with, you know, you, I don't have to describe all the things that you can do with, with red meat, but um, people love that stuff. They, they'll, they'll go crazy for it. And 
deer is just, I mean, the I processed some deer here this year off our farm. They're phenomenal. I'm still eating them. Um, they're just excellent. So um, that's a great way to add some value, and, and the price of venison is, is not cheap. Um, and then we have the, um, the hunting market, and we kind of went through that and touched all those things uh, when we were talking about bucks. So I see, um, I see what the, um, I see what the, you know, the general market looks like. And then I say to myself, what are some things that again are outside of the box that I can do to provide more profitability, uh, to my operation. And, and this was just a a list of things that I had come up with. And, and hopefully there's some things in there that allow you to look a little bit outside of the box, um, and, and if you have any other ideas or, or things that you'd like to share with me, I'd love to hear from you um, because I'm always interested in additional things that I can do here on my farm um, or in my operation that can add some value. So if you have something, um, you know, shoot me a Facebook message on the, on the thing. Leave a comment over there. Um, you can shoot me an email. Call me. My email is uh, jnewton at servitsolutions.com you can reach me here in the office toll free at 844-478-2870 again I'd love to hear from you um, I see we have a, a question over there in the comments that I'm going to get to as we're wrapping up the show um, so Scott I, I appreciate that I appreciate the question it says uh, what if we feed our free range deer like that would we see a difference um, so the quality of food, and I'll speak for the, the feed that we have here at our place, the quality of food that we have, if we fed that to um, a free-range deer, you would see an increased um, body development, skeletal development, antler development. Um, the, the things that, that are consistent for growing deer are the same Inside the fence, outside the fence. Age, nutrition, genetics. So with that, we're going to wrap up. I uh, I greatly appreciate everyone and hope you enjoyed the, um, the show. And as always, stay tuned for another episode of North American Deer Talk.